0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. of this series that we're going through, looking at the parables of Jesus and gleaning from them concepts or big ideas that allow us to align ourselves with the kingdom manifesto so that we can live it out in our lives. In the first week, we introduced the idea of seasons, knowing that each and every single one of us is in one season or another. And we looked at the idea that there's time and opportunity in whatever season that you find yourself, that it is not necessarily that you have the best gift or the best anointing that you are able to to overcome or come through but it is based on how you use your time and how you use the opportunities that God has given you and so we also understood that the goal is not just to win season in and season out and then say you know what I'm just awesome because I can manipulate any season how I want but to have an eternal perspective to know that the goal here is that our names are written in the book of life and we continue to to look to that as to why we want to do the things that we need to do why we want to make the most of time and opportunity and we understood that in order for us to keep that eternal perspective we have to remain connected to him who is eternal who's not bound by the season who doesn't change because of the way i feel and doesn't change because of my acts either there or the lack thereof that he remains the same that i've got to have a healthy relationship with god and in so doing it keeps me being persistent and being connected to him so that I remain with the right perspective. And then we said from there, we have to build on the information or the knowledge that we build and in that knowledge it's going to help us to determine that which is valuable for we will pursue the things we find value in or retain the things we find value in and what we want to be able to value are the things that God himself values and so we want to have the right framework from which we are translating or seeing the things that are in our lives so that we pursue the right things. And the culmination of that all is why would this be important? Why would we want to make the most of our time and opportunity? Why do we want to be persistent in prayer? Why do we want to seek the things that are valuable? It's because it's who we are. So we want to realize and recognize that ministry, anything that we do is going to be born out of our identity, out of who we are. We don't just do things for the sake of them needing to be done, but we do them because it is who we are. And Jesus models this for us too in that he says, I do nothing except what I see the Father do. I speak nothing out of my mouth except that which the Father has given me to speak. And we want to be in a similar position where what we do and what we say flows and comes from our submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that in so doing, we reflect his truth, we reflect his way, and we reflect the life. Now religion pushes us to try to attain things and yet we always fall short. What the kingdom does is it gives us freedom from performance because we operate out of identity. Religion would have us stack a whole bunch of things that we need to do. We need to make sure we're giving. We need to make sure we're good to others. We need to make sure that we don't we're not anxious. We need to make sure we're all this. So it becomes a big list of things that we ought to do. And we always fall short and always judge ourselves because we fall short. But when you come into the kingdom, you recognize this is who I am and this is why I end up doing the things I end up doing. Amen? So this here is a story of. Identity, A story of identity. So if you would go with me to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word and I just pray right now, God, in this very moment... As we begin this particular portion of service, I just thank you, Father, that you take over everything. I yield myself to you, Lord, that my tongue is yours for your use and let my mind be connected to you, that I do not miss your desire and your purpose for today. I pray that our hearts are positioned well, that we know above all things that you love us. And it is because of this love that you pursue us. And I pray that that love reaches deep inside of us that we recognize that we too have a position and a responsibility to pursue you. I honor you and all that you are going to do and all that you're doing right now. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So identity is a very important subject or something that is very important to human existence. Not just to us here in the church but even outside the church. People want to know who they are and they want to know why they are on this earth. They want to understand that there is a reason beyond just existing as to why they are here. And they will look at everything else but where they need to look in order to find identity. Some people would have defined themselves by their sexuality and they championed that and preached that and they Push that—that sexuality is an important thing. Some people would champion the skin, their skin color, and champion that, and say, "This is who I am." And they look at all the things that they can look at in order to find some modicum of identity and meaning to life. But in order for us to know who we are, we've got to go to the one who made us, because whatever it is that you have—a machine that you bought at Walmart, your TV, your radio, whatever it is—you have to go back to the manufacturer to understand why that thing exists because the manufacturer out of his mind and out of his intention was the one who made it and so he knows why he made it and why he created it. So when we go back to the one who created us, are we able to discover our true identity and the reason why we exist in this world? Because if we know who we are, we know why we are the way we are and we know what we can or cannot do because the creator is the one who would tell us the purpose for our existence. And so we have that within us in the church and sometimes we grapple with that a little bit but then we turn this thing into sort of a performance thing where we want to just keep doing and doing things, even doing the things that are right in order for us to achieve some sort of recognition or identity or in order to pat ourselves on the back that we are doing something. And even the people that are in humanitarianism will look at the church and they will tell us that we are not doing well because we are not great because we're not helping here we're not helping there so they will look at all those humanitarian efforts and they will point to that and say well the church didn't do this the church doesn't help here. the church doesn't help here and sometimes we accept those labels about ourselves and so we cower away in our churches and our corners because again we're listening to our voices that are judging us but when we do things we're not doing it for the sake of recognition from the outside world in essence we're doing it because it is who we are and so when we do things, it is not just to achieve, but it is out of the fact that we belong to the kingdom of God. All our efforts to do good or make the right decisions will, all, will always fall short outside of the kingdom. And that is when things turn into religion. So Jesus then says, picture this, the story of the good Samaritan. Now, when this gentleman comes up to Jesus, he is puffed up. He's an expert of the law. He sees himself as a guru. I understand how these things function. Watch me as I trip this Jesus was the mindset that he had in his mind. So when he comes and he asks Jesus, hey, what is... The greatest law. How can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus asks a very important question that we have to pose also to ourselves. He says, how do you read it? How do you read it? And the expert on the law standing up, he feels so vindicated because he's got the answer. And so he responds, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, well, I got nothing else to tell you go ahead. Go do that and you'll be okay. And he feels like, oh, okay. I haven't really showed him up like I thought I was. So I need vindication. And then he goes on to ask the question, who is my neighbor with the heart of justification? So what he had was the knowledge of what was right, but it was not internalized to change who he was so that he could understand that these commands are functional commands. To love the Lord is to And to love the neighbor is to bless the neighbor. It is not something for me to just have scripture packed up in my mind. But I've got to have a window, an opportunity to express it. Because if I don't have that place to express it, I will be like the expert of the law where I am puffed up. And I look for justification not to do. But the Bible tells us that we are saved unto good works not saved just to go to heaven because then religion will block us and make us seem that we've got to retain this righteousness we've just got to keep holy just stay holy just don't do bad things so that you end up to heaven but the kingdom will tell you that you are here to express the kingdom that we can further the kingdom of God by bringing people into a place where they can experience the fullness of love and so we stand in the middle Because this is what he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's me touching God, but I've got to love my neighbor as myself. That's me touching others, so I stand in the middle. Connect here so that I can connect others to connect back to God. That is the reason for ministry. But he looked at what he knew, not what he was convicted of. He evaluated himself based on knowledge. But this is what Romans 12 and 3 says. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Listen, there's no difference between us here And those that are in the world. The only difference is we agree we're messed up. And we need a savior. So when we look at others. And we feel vindicated because of the things we know. We miss to recognize that they too need a savior. Let me tell you what everything you're seeing in this world is saying. And what it is screaming. It is screaming people need the Lord. And who has the Lord? Us. We are the ones who have the Lord. And we've got to do an honest evaluation. The honest evaluation is to look at the fruit. What is the fruit? Because Jesus said, by the fruit shall you know the tree. Where is your fruit Where is my fruit? According to the measure of faith. That's according to the understanding that I have. Am I living out the gospel? He asks, what or who is my neighbor? That is what his question was. Who is my neighbor? And we tend to stay there. Be stuck in discussing who the neighbor is. You know, we sit down and we say, who should we help? You know, if we help people, sometimes it's like we're encouraging their bad habits. So it's better just not to help them. Because if I help them, then they will continue in their mess. So it's better for me to retain my help. But no, you shouldn't do that. You should actually help or you should. And we end up in discussions without ever doing. That's what religion does. And we feel good, vindicated. I quote to you Genesis and I quote to you Revelation. Why I should help and you quote to me John and you quote to me Acts. Why you shouldn't help. And We debate amongst each other and yet we never get to do. So the question is, I've got somebody, you know what, when they knock on your car, you know those people who are peddling. when they're knocking, you say they ask you and I'm like, I just don't even want to look at them, I just don't want to see. Because man, I'm bothered by it. Because you know, if I give them something, they'll end up doing this and doing that. So should I help them? That is not the question. The question is, I am a kingdom citizen. Holy Spirit, you are with me. Is this my opportunity to help? Because I am positioned in my identity to always minister. I am positioned to always minister. And so when that happens, is this Lord my opportunity? So the question is not should I help? The question is Holy Spirit, is this my opportunity to help? And you have to ask When you have to ask, saints, we're looking to check the laundry list. We're stuck in religion if we have to ask. But when we know who we are, we don't ask. We will see the opportunities through the lens of the Holy Spirit for what they are. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 4-6 to Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The second is like it to love your neighbor. yourself problem is we have problem with self and so because we have problem with self we fail to love neighbor because we have problem with our own identity of who we are we struggle to love neighbor and so that means it has to begin with us and this is what we have got to recognize seeing Ourself or oneself as sufficient through God moves us from a have-to attitude to a get-to attitude. I don't have to help. I get to help. I don't have to be somebody's answer. I get to be somebody's answer. I get to have that moment where I allow the Holy Spirit, God himself, to use me as his hands and feet. What a privilege. What a privilege. That we should be searching for these moments instead of trying to debate whether they are or not. We should be saying, oh my goodness, I want to have an opportunity where I can express the things that God has put in me and help somebody else. Wouldn't you want that? Because then what is it for? said, all that was just stay in here, lift up our hands, experience the presence of God, and go home and say, man, that was great. What's for lunch? Shouldn't there be more to the fact that we have come and met a holy God? That he was faithful enough to be present in our midst? Shouldn't there be more? than just to know and have head knowledge about the truth of the scriptures. Shouldn't there be more? Because at some point, we've got to stop battling in our own sins, and our own problems, and our own issues, and be healthy enough because he makes us healthy in order to help somebody else. At some point, we've got to understand that we are the right person for the job because he makes us the right person for the job. As opposed to always using this as a clinic and a hospital. I feel bad during the week. I go to church. I experience God. And I do it all over again. I just go to clinic. All the time. You know they put people away if you're constantly at urgent care. (laughs) They'll put you in a place. It's not a nice place. If you keep saying I have this and I have that. Or they make you an experiment. (laughs) And if we do that spiritually by continually saying I just need a fix. So that I can go through the week and feel good about myself. Give me another fix pastor. Give me another fix in the sermon. Make sure the worship is great so I get my fix. Not recognizing that God is calling us to do and to be a blessing elsewhere. So Jesus presents us a case in which we have the opportunity to see different characters exposed as they react to this man. Now, central to this parable is actually the man. We call it the parable of the Good Samaritan. But central to the whole parable is this guy, this man. Because everybody encounters him. Okay? So the first people that encounter him are the bandits. The bandits, how do they view him? What do they see in this man? They see him as an object of exploitation. An opportunity to gain for themselves. And so they go over and they take him out and they leave him for dead because they don't care. They just got what they wanted to get. We have present day bandits. This here is the information age. There are people who would control the information, who want to control the narrative, so that they take a hold of people and make them confused into who they are. So that they start running into all these other things to define who they are and give them a false narrative of what actually works. So that they can control them and get from them and milk them of the things that they possess so that they can build their own wealth, build their own political career, build their own selfish ambitions. So they control that information. Bandits only seeing people as an object to exploit for selfish gain and so now we have the opportunity where we have a priest who meets somebody who's been overtaken by these bandits this priest goes to New Song he's there every Sunday but when he meets this person he looks at this person and says it is your fault that the bandits beat you up so I'm going to avoid you he sees them as an inconvenience to be avoided and yet in this priest is the word of god that he hears all the time in this priest he has served at the temple but when he's presented with this opportunity sees an inconvenience to be avoided what do we do with people who have been taken over by bandits because we know is there an enemy is there an enemy the bible says we wrestle not against what flesh and blood But against principalities, powers, and rulers of this dark world. But many of us sit and hate people who have fallen victim to this. Even though we have the word, we hate it. How can they be like this? What's wrong with them? Y'all sheep, just follow the government. You got issues. (laughs) And yet, I have the answer to life. I hold it in my heart. What is it all for? What is this all for? All the culmination of the information, the knowledge that you receive. What is it all for? But then when I see these people, oh, sheep, oh, you're a trumper. Ugh, I can't stand you, Trumpers. Bandits, liberals, oh my gosh. Somebody needs to pray for those people. You. <laughs> the Levite. The Levite understands that if he is to touch a dead body, he has to consecrate himself. So that means he cannot serve at the altar. So he also sees this as an inconvenience. Because he's thinking to himself, man, if I do this, that means I ain't going to be able to do my job. And if I can't do my job, I'm not going to be able to feed my family. So I better just leave this alone. That's what we do, right? I don't want to deal with this whole issue. Because if I have to deal with it, it's going to inconvenience me. And you know what? I got to be strong for my own family. So I got to shut the door and not help. Because hey, family first, right? That's what Pastor Josh preached the other day. Family first. So it's okay. I don't have to help. Praise God. (laughs) That's what the Levite sees. Inconvenience. And uses theology as a justification not to help. What Jesus does is he picks a Samaritan. Somebody who is opposite to the Jews. History is they did not like each other. They hated each other. So he picks somebody that's truly opposite to what this expert of the law understands. And then he asks this question, who was neighbor to this man? And the expert of the law says, the one who showed mercy. In Luke 23 and 23, it talks about the Pharisees. It says, You guys, you guys, you, you talk about the law so much, which is which is good, but you avoid the weightier things of the law, and one of the weightier things is mercy. And so he comes full circle and realizes mercy is the key, compassion is the key, because that is more weightier than the things that I know. We struggle. The idea of the things that we understand theologically. And we assume in order for me to present myself as true to anybody who would come to the faith, I've got to be an expert theologian. But the best story that you have that can bring somebody to a faith is your story. Your experience with him. Because nobody can take that away from you. This is why I like the blind guy. Well, he ain't blind no more, but he used to be blind. But this is what he said. They wanted to ask him, hey, let's talk about this Jesus. us asking, so what's the theological reason why you got healed the way you got healed? That's what they wanted to know. Is this Jesus theologically allowed to do what he's just done? let's look through the scriptures and figure this out and he was like hey 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 I don't know nothing about that what I know is I was blind and now I so why then would it matter what you understand theologically tell your story you're looking at it and you're thinking to yourself yeah go ahead you're looking at it and you're telling yourself what am I gonna do with these gay people ah what am going to do with these people are so political? I don't know what to do. And I'm almost wanting to cower away. But what you have is your story. I don't know how this gay thing works. I, I don't know how this politics works. But what I do know is Jesus saved my life. He did something for me that no man could ever do. I now know who I am. So I'm not here to change your gayness or whatever. But what I'm here to do, what I'm here to do, is to tell you my story, that there is a savior who understands it all, who made you and I, who is the manufacturer. He will tell you who you should be. That's your testimony. That's the power of it. So there's some responses that we want to look at. We want to look at all these people responded in, the, in, in, in some manner. So there are four revealing responses that we're going to look at. Okay, so. We have up until 6 p.m., right, together? (laughs) Okay. Just making sure, so don't be surprised if we get there. So, four revealing responses. Number one is the lens of interpretation. The lens of interpretation. How do you read it? That was a question. How do you read it? Each one of them had to read the situation and they used a lens to interpret the situation that was in front of them. Knowledge upon knowledge puffs up without a place to be expressed or used. If we build on just knowledge, we run the risk of having a superiority complex because of the fact of what we know But the best way to judge is not what you know, but what you express. Because then that tells us the true interpretation of who you are. Jesus says that we are the light of the world, just as he is the light of the world. So Luke chapter 11 verse 32 to 36 reads, No one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. By some who enter the house? A few people who enter? By all who enter the house. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light with no dark corners, then your whole life would be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. Saints, our ultimate calling is to minister to people. That is the ultimate calling. Whatever it is you feel you're called to do, be it in business, be it in ministry, be it in the arts, wherever area it is, we've got to recognize that we are positioned to minister to people. Is it possible some of us go through years and have not done a single thing for another person? And yet we say, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. He's good. Is he? We're now in July. Not a single soul that you know has felt the goodness of the Lord through you. Is that okay? Is that who you are? Is that what this gospel is about? To just give me a feel-good factor. Is that what it is? Because if I don't have an opportunity, if I'm not crying out for an opportunity to God, which by the way, there is a plethora of opportunities, but if I don't cry out to God to give me the courage to see the opportunity, then I am not going to minister the thing that God has placed in me to minister to somebody else. And this is how the Bible says, Jeremiah seventeen ten. I, the Lord, search the heart. I examine the mind to reward a man according to his way by what his deeds deserve. Not by what his knowledge deserves, but what his deeds deserve. The things you know are there to give you an opportunity to minister to somebody else. How do I know that I am the man that God is calling me to to be? How do I know my identity? There are two places I want to tell you that reveal our light. Number one is in a time of crisis. When the crisis comes, the true you going to come out. Okay? Now listen to me. It's okay to freak out. It's Okay. That's point number one, but there has to be a point number two. See, I was going to do this illustration, but I felt like it might go south, so I'm just going to tell you what the illustration is. Is that OK? OK, so what I was going to do I was going to invite Joshua Mar up to the front. You don't have to come. I was going to invite him to the front, him not having an idea why he's coming up. And then I was going to push him. <laughs> the hope was for him to stumble. But when I played it in my mind, it just didn't go that way. (laughs) I was like, this might actually end very terrible. But I was going to push him. So either he was not going to stumble and I was the one that's going to stumble. Then it would have quashed the illustration. But the idea is you push somebody the first time because he's unaware he stumbles. Right? Because he didn't see that coming. But when he knows it's coming, what he looks at is what is inside him the strength that he has and now that he knows it's coming he positions himself right and says you hit me with what you got and I'm gonna stand with what I have and greater is he that is in me than whatever it is that you're gonna bring my way because I know that I have him so you can stumble on the first attack but on the second one you better look inside of yourself and say I know that I am a citizen of a kingdom in which a king rules in his domain. And he is the one who has established how this whole world functions. And I am his and he is mine. You bring your best shot, devil. Let's see. Because you're not going to destroy what God has built in me. The second place is in times of need. The true character is revealed. The true you comes out. When the need is presented to you, what do you do? It is then easy for us to look at the reason why we're not the person to help within the need. To look at our limitations so as not to help the need. And what is all this for? we cannot present ourselves in a place where I can say, Lord, here is the need. How would you help me help? And oftentimes, we create languages and I do this too. I do this too. And this is an easy excuse out of it. Hey, let me know if I can help. Because I know it's going to have to take you courage to ask me to help you. So let me know if I can help. <laughs> Yet the need is staring at me glaringly in the face. So it's revealing who I am. That I am the guy who runs away from needs. No? Guy says, hey, you know what? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to need help to go to the doctor's office and, and do some work over there and Uh, I'm going to need transportation. Oh wow, how are you going to do that? How are you going to get there? Well, I'm going to have somebody. I need somebody to help me out. Okay, well, yeah. Well, I hope you get somebody to help. (laughs) Then you go home. Lord, help me to be a good Christian where I can see how I can help others. In The time of need, a true character comes out. And so we go to the next one, a heart of possession. We then look at the things that we have. We look at the things that we have and we always assume what we have is never enough to help somebody. Look at this. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 to 25. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Listen to this. Giving away creates gain in the kingdom. Giving away creates gain in the kingdom the samaritan he used the resources that he had he had oil he had wine and that's what he used but we look at it and we go i don't have enough so i cannot help one of the joys of my life it might not be like that our personalities could be different. But for me, one of the joys of my life is when people walk into my house and treat it like they own. Opening drawers, taking cups, spoons, and doing whatever they want. Because then I go, yes, God, this is your house. Let them have it. <laughs> one of the joys of my life is being able to use my car to help somebody else. Because I realize I have possessions that God has blessed me with. Because if I hold on to it, what if one day he comes and says, Thunder I. Give up thine car. I don't want to be able, I don't want to be in a position where I say, But my car is mine. I want to be able to say, God, if this is it, then let me give this car. Because one thing I know, I'm a blessing to somebody else. There's a better car that's coming my way because I'm a blessing to somebody else. One man withholds, never gives away. In that moment that you withhold and never giving away, you are saying, God, you do not have the ability to replenish. I don't trust you to replace. The moment you gave it to me the first time, I'd hold on to it because you know what? I don't think you can hook me up. Why? Because I look at myself and I look at how bad I am, and yet He already died for you in your worst state. Number three, willingness to sacrifice. First John 3, 16 to 18. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Listen to this. If we function on excuses, the right time to help will never come because availability to help requires sacrifice. You know, I love football, the real football, where you use your feet, you know. (laughs) Do you know when these games come up, when they happen? Nine o'clock on Saturday. Nine and ten on Sunday. I want to watch my team play. And you plug in a surf side of it right there. (laughs) But I know who I am. I've got to sacrifice some of these things. I've got to sacrifice and come to the house of God to worship. But you know what others we do? We will circle our calendar around the games to make sure that we watch the things, the games we want to watch. We do our gardening. We do all the things that are self to us. But at some point, you've got to understand, God's going to call you to sacrifice that thing. And you have to be ready and willing to do so. Because the time to help is never going to come with bells and whistles and lights shining and everything looking hunky-dory and all your lines falling into pleasant places. And then you go, I'm going to help now because everything looks great. And even then, some of us will still hold back. Because we judge ourselves ever so harshly. Number five, number four, is consistency of action. Consistency of action. Consistency speaks to how you want to be known. If you're always late, people will say, that guy is always late. Because you are consistently If you don't give, people will say, that guy doesn't give because you consistently don't give. If you don't serve, we're going to say, that guy, he doesn't serve. (laughs) Because he consistently doesn't serve. So the question is, how do you want people to know you? what you want people to know you as is what you're going to be consistent in doing. And when you're consistent in doing that, then we will say, there goes that guy, the prayer warrior, because we consistently see you praying. There goes that guy who's so generous with himself and his time, because we consistently see you being generous. How do you want us to know you? Because here's the thing. You want us to know this, but you want to create a dark place where you do other things so that we don't see it, so that we only see your facade. That's not operating out of identity. That's not who you are. You got to make a choice on who you're wanting to be And that's going to allow you to be consistent. The Samaritan guy, there had to be some level of consistency about him. For him to tell the innkeeper, hey, listen, when I come back, I will give you the money that you need in order to take care of this person. So, he was willing to be inconvenienced because it is who he is. He's willing to be inconvenienced of his time. He used what he had in order to help somebody else. Which means that in that position, God was going to replenish what he had. He sacrificed his time, he sacrificed his his uh, his possession, and he is a person who is consistent. Consistent. Who do, who do you want to be? Because what you want to be, what I want to be, are different. Because God has put inside of us an expression of God that is different from one from another. So who who do you want me or us to know you as? Be consistent in that. And that's what we will know. And then we will call you that. And as we confess it on our lips, it is sealed and it is so. Do you understand the power of the tongue? when we start calling you that we are affirming it and you grow stronger in it but when you're not consistent then we have no idea and I dare say you then have no idea who you are First Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. so my brothers my dear brothers and sisters be strong and immovable always work enthusiastically for the Lord for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Consistent. Consistency has nothing to do with the results. Think about this story too. Right? It's hard for us to help people that are talking back and bickering sometimes. But if it's who you are, you, you, you pull through it. So this parable makes it easy because the guy's half dead, so he's not talking. At some point he woke up and, and we don't hear Jesus then say, and then when he woke up, he said, saying, you Samaritan, how dare you help me? Uh, I don't want your help. He doesn't say that. The reason why I believe Jesus leaves that out as a potential conversation that could have happened is he was removing all excuses that we can have to help somebody. When you come upon a time to help, I do not care whether the person is gay Black, blue, white, or green. Liberal, Democrat, Republican, African, North American. What does not matter? I am positioned in that moment to be an answer. Because I know he who called does not care about those things. What he cares about is life. I'm going to close with this. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 to 3. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. The ministry you have and possess, my friends, is for others. God edifies you strengthens you to minister to others the kingdom way is to minister to others it is not possible to love if you do not have love which is why you learn to love the lord your god first strengthening you to love your neighbor so here's the kingdom concept we must live out of an overflow of our kingdom identity which empowers us to be the hands and feet of the King. Would you stand with me? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.